looking for a new cast member in a hurry. Look, I know it's been a few years since you came home for Christmas and everything, and so I figure you're probably not planning on coming this year either, but, well, Dad had a fault. The star returns! Shelly! I've missed you so much. Oh, no, me too. Where's Dad? Hi, Dad. Oh, hi. Hi, I need you to help me to convince Dad to sell this place. He can't take care of himself. Or Mark. It's Moving Radio on CJSR 88.5. I'm Lucas Anders, your correspondent. Today, I'm connecting with writer-producer Kevin Galiz and director Arlen Konopaki. They're the creative minds behind the film How to Ruin the Holidays. It's Arlen's debut feature film. They both have roots here in Edmonton. They chose Edmonton as one of the very few advanced select screenings across North America. You can catch it out at the Metro Cinema on November 6th at 7 p.m. and November 25th at 3.30 p.m. Welcome to Moving Radio, Kevin and Arlen. Thanks for having us, man. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks a bunch. Excited. Yeah, it's so great to have you on the show. Let's get into it. It's really great to get an understanding from the individuals who brought this film to life, what it's really about. So uh, I'll get both of you to jump in on this. From your perspective, what is the film about? You came out the gate with the big guns, dude. And what you. a question. <laughs> After working on this for so many years, it's, it's hard to be succinct uh, about something like that. But I guess if I was going to say... At its core, for me, what this film is about is it's about family and it's about agency in your own life and making decisions that make you happy, even if it's not what you think you're supposed to do or what it's supposed to look like. Kevin, you could not have said it better. You wrote it. Family is key. Agency, acceptance, I think, of yourself and others. I would say those are all the things that I would say the movie's about. So you two have a pretty storied history here in Edmonton. You're bringing the film back. Kevin, could you speak about the progression of the film, where the idea came from, how it evolved, and your connection to Arlen? Yeah, I mean, Arlen and I have been doing our two-man improv show, Scratch, since 2005. So we've got a lot of years together doing comedy and that really helped inform our relationship creatively on this project. The evolution of the project basically started, we did a short film that you can see on YouTube. It's called That Was Awesome. And Luke, who is an actor with disabilities here in Atlanta, we first met him on that project because we were working with this company of actors that were all different actors with disabilities. And we did this short film together that's all about floor hockey. It's like a sports thing. It's funny. It's got something to say. It's touching. And when we discovered Luke through that project, it gave me this window to go, hey, I now have the perfect kind of muse to tell the story of my relationship with my younger brother who is disabled, but also I just never really had the courage to kind of address that through comedy before because you want to get it right. But when I met Luke, I went, this is too perfect. Luke is amazing. So that's what really started the snowball going down the mountain. And then it was many things, you know, working on drafts of the script, sharing it with Arlen. All of a sudden, a little thing called COVID-19 happened. That kind of knocked us off our rails a little bit. Crowdfunding through Kickstarter, shooting the movie here in Atlanta and a few pickup days in Toronto and Los Angeles. And then finally, here we are. It's being released. 
Arlen, a good part of your career in film has been as a cinematographer. Could you talk a little bit about that role and how it helped you prepare for your first feature film? Yeah, I've definitely done a lot of work as a cinematographer in my career, and I really enjoy doing that job. It's one of the closest collaborators with the director on set, and I've had a chance to work with a lot of great directors as a cinematographer, and it's allowed me to really see their process and take in the way they work and learn from them and pick up on things on set and also enhance, I guess, my eye visually from both a framing and lighting and camera perspective. So it's been a really invaluable tool to have worked a lot as a cinematographer before directing this film. Arlen, what is one thing that stands out from one of the directors that you've taken with you? It's tough to say because there's no like one way to make a movie and every director is so different in terms of the things that they prioritize or want to focus on. I guess the big takeaway coming into this for me and my goal stepping into this role was really my number one focus was working with the actors. We used a really great cinematographer on this film, his name's Felipe, I went to film school with him. We brought him on board because I wanted somebody who I knew would be on the same page with me visually and I wouldn't have to like worry about or have to look over their shoulder. I knew that he and I would be on the same page and I could say this is kind of what I want and he would go do it, which would allow me the time to work with the actors. Because when you're working at our budget level, there's kind of a ceiling of the amount you can kind of do with the resources you have. And I knew the one thing that there is kind of no ceiling on is the performances. And so that was really my goal is I wanted to make sure that I could just spend as much time with them as I could and, and try to get the best performances I could. Because at the end of the day, knowing I had a good cinematographer, I knew the movie would look good no matter what. And so once that was taken care of, I was able to just focus on the performances, which I think is the most important thing. Kevin, I imagine you kind of alluded to this, building a project like this from the ground up must have been challenging. Could you talk about securing funding and speak to that process? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's so funny. I went in so optimistic, so naive. I thought I was going to be able to raise them. And, you know, I'm not talking about raising millions of dollars. At the end of the day, our budget on this thing was 300000 So I thought I was going to be able to raise it. And I spent almost a year trying to raise money. This is prior to COVID. And I think I'd raised about a thousand dollars. And I was like, oh no, like, what are we going to do? It's not going to happen. And because I'd experienced something similar in running a theater, which was, I tried to raise a bunch of money to buy a theater. Nobody wanted to give money. Then I did a big crowdfunding campaign. And because that was successful, then people came on board. I thought, okay, well, I'll try that for a film too. So we did a big crowdfunding campaign and it was great. I mean, it was so much work, but it was really successful. We ended up raising something like 118 grand. And because of that, then suddenly we had people going, okay, now I'll invest. And so that's kind of how we got to our budget. We were definitely building the plane as we were going, man. Like we did not know what we were doing. Were there any crazy ideas that you built into that? Arlen, can you speak to that? Or, or were you involved in that process as much? Or was Kevin taking the lead on that? You mean in terms of raising money? Yeah. We collaborated as far as ideas and a strategy, but definitely I give Kevin all the credit in the world for spearheading that side of it and he's great at it and did a fantastic job so i don't know if i personally had anything 
that crazy that I added to the mix. But Kevin, I don't know if you had anything. I mean, we had a really fun, really creative Kickstarter campaign that I think did more than just raise money. It also uh, communicated the flavor of the project and built up a little group of supporters that would like help us every step of the way. So I don't know if that's crazy, quote unquote, but it's unconventional and I think it worked. To the extent that we had folks showing up and dropping off food for us on uh, production days because they wanted to support. And so they were just like, well, we knew you were in production because we're Kickstarter donors. So we wanted to come by and bring everybody coffee and donuts. And it was stuff like that that really made this thing possible because I don't know if you know this, but making movies is very expensive. I definitely picked that up in many interviews with directors. It's, it's hard to secure funding. It can be a arduous process. Arlen, with this being your first feature, what are some of the biggest challenges that you feel like you faced in creating this production? I mean, the number one thing I think you always want more of as a director is time. You just never have enough time to get as many takes as you want or get all the shots you want or just do all the things you have in your head. So I think that is for sure the biggest challenge kind of on any indie project is just wishing you had an extra day, two days, three days, because every day is just so go, go, go and so packed and so stressful that you're just dreaming of, I wish I had another hour for this scene, but that's just never the reality. So I guess that is probably the common refrain. I don't think it's anything that any other director would say like, what? That's crazy. So most would probably agree is like, I would sacrifice a lot of things just for more time. But of course, the thing that gets you more time is more money, which we didn't have. So that would be it. Kevin, for yourself, being a writer and having your hands on the production in terms of being a producer, were you directly involved in the filming of it? Yeah, I mean... I kind of had to delineate in my mind where it's like, when I'm writing the script, I felt like the creative lead. You know what I mean? I'm talking about a personal story and talking about my family and trying to get it all on the page. And then when we moved into the production, pre-production is the handing of the baton, but like for sure, once we're in production, I was like, look, I need to trust Arlen, which is a good thing that we have decades of working together that I can trust him so much. Because there was days on set where I got to be around and Arlen would say, hey, you know, maybe we could come up with a different line here or something. And I'd be like, oh, this is fun being creative. But there was also plenty of days where it's like, I remember this is the definition of what my producing experience was. I was hauling bags of leaking, stinking garbage and hauling them to a trash can that we weren't supposed to be using, but I was like sneaking to get rid of our trash. And then my phone rang and it was some agent from LA that was trying to squeeze more money out of me that I didn't have. And I was just like, this is glamor, you know? So that during production, that's what I was focused on. And I was grateful to have Arlen just focused on creative. You're listening to Moving Radio on CJSR 88.5. I'm here with the creative team behind the film. How to Ruin the Holidays, Arlen Konopaki, director, and Kevin Galiz, writer-producer. And they're bringing an exclusive screening out to Metro Cinema on November 6th at 7 p.m. and November 25th at 3.30 p.m. It seems like you were both quite intentional about making the process of filming accessible and inclusive. You had a desire to create that environment and address that. Could each of you talk to that and why you were very intentional about that? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know for myself in reflecting on the story of my relationship with my bro and in trying to make a story that maybe allows for folks with cognitive disabilities to be like explored and presented in a different and more authentic way. It seemed only natural that inclusive mindset would domino down into the rest of the team. So we had consultants, we had folks with all different kinds of abilities in various departments. For example, I thought it was really cool. Our locations director is in a chair and in casting as well. Our buddy, Tommy, who's also in a chair has a small role. And for us, it's just important to like be casually inclusive. We're not even making a deal out of this. We're just saying it's important for us to try to like celebrate that through this project. And so, yeah, that was the attitude we went in with. And it was rewarding to be able to live the message while making a vehicle to deliver the message. Yeah, I agree. I think telling a story about where one of the lead characters has a disability, it would be wrong for many reasons not to try to, like Kevin said, live that on set. And that's just the way that we want to work. And we think everybody should be working is just try to put as much diversity in front of and behind the camera as we can whenever possible. So especially on this project, but really every project, we're always trying to be mindful of that as well. Yeah, you certainly do a good job of that because you can look to Hollywood and there's a lot of examples of where people with disabilities are played by able-bodied people or those disabilities are played by people who don't have them. So really good on the two of you to go that route to bring people into that environment. You have a stellar cast. Can you speak about that process? And in saying that, I know there's an obvious connection here, and I'm sure, Kevin, you can probably speak to that. How did you connect with all these individuals and, and bring them on board? Well, what you're alluding to is the fact that I also wrote this script with an intention of creating a vehicle that my wife, Amber Nash, could star in, because I think she's a brilliant actor, and I wanted to be a part of showing what she can do on camera, because Obviously, she's best known for her voice work because of the TV series Archer. Elaine, 45. Not attractive, but not ugly. Just plain. She is quick to anger. Definitely not athletic. That is so perfect for you. Oh my God, thank you. God, I hate auditioning. So that was the starting point. I was like, well, we've got Amber, we've got Luke, and even early drafts, before it was even a good enough script to send out i sent it to my buddy colin and said i've got an idea for you to be the third column in this in this project would you do it and he said yes because he's an amazing guy and it kind of snowballed from there aisha is really good friends with amber so that's how she came on board i'm good friends with henry zabrowski so that's how we got him amber's friends with ronnie you know what i mean so that's how it all kind of goes like that yeah, that seven degrees of separation, just connecting to people through life. Arlen, you're bringing this film back to Edmonton to a special venue, the Metro. You've spent a great deal of time in there. Could you talk a little bit about that and how it feels to be bringing it home? Yeah, I mean, a lot of our formative years creatively were spent in Edmonton, both Kevin and I. And we still come back every year, once a year, to do the Edmonton Fringe and do Scratch there, our two-man comedy show. And so it holds a really special place in our heart. And 
to come back with the movie. It's always going to be a special place to us and we're always going to want to come back and want to do things there and, and just show the people of Edmonton. We've felt really lucky over the years to have so much support and so much love from Edmonton. We always come back and we're always like blown away by how many people still want to see us and still support us. And again, that just has meant a lot to us. And so, yeah, bring the movie back feels like a culmination. We've been working together for almost 20 years now, starting in Edmonton. And so to be bringing this project back, I think is a really big deal to us and, and means a lot to us. And hopefully will mean a lot to the people who come out and see it and know that we love Edmonton and, and we're real excited to screen it there. Arlen said it best. I can just reiterate and say that our relationship to the city is intimate because that's where we started Scratch, our group. We used to tour all over, but then for the last 10 years plus, the only time we get together to do Scratch is we go back for the Edmonton Fringe. So there's this like connection that we're always coming back to. And of course, I've got family and friends there because I went to high school and junior high and elementary. I went to all the schools in Edmonton. And so there's a sense of community too. And I just want to, I guess for me, I want to try to reward the people that have supported us over the years and say, look, like you can be proud of us. Like we did you right. We made something that's actually good and worth watching. And I hope that makes you feel good because you've been with us for so long, you know? Yeah, I think there's some excitement in that opportunity to bring that home. From your perspective, and this is a question for both of you, your pitch for the people of Edmonton in terms of the film, what do you want them to walk away with if they come see it on either of the dates that we have set. Arlen, you want to take a stab at this one? Yeah, I do, actually. You know, it is a hard thing to answer. At the end of the day, like, everyone could take something different away from it. And anytime someone watches a movie, it's going to be like a personal experience to them. I think our goal was to make something that was funny, was was heartfelt, had a good message behind it, had a good heart at its core. And I think, speaking to kind of what Kevin was saying, we want to make Edmonton proud. We want to make the people of Edmonton proud. Every year we come back and there's people who come up to us and say, oh, we've been watching you for like 20 years, which is amazing. And we want those people to, to see what we've done and, and continue to like it and continue to be proud of it. And the lofty goal is to make something that, as far as Christmas movies, the best Christmas movies are ones you want to watch again every year. And, and if this could be that, even a handful of people, I would feel very lucky. And we really made something great and so i hope there's some people who walk away and say like wow that was a great movie made me feel good and we'll want to watch it the next christmas and the next christmas after and, and so on and so forth so that's the goal and then i'm sure there'll be some people who will leave saying that we're a bunch of losers <laughs> and, and the movie sucks but like we can't control that either so like it's just it's going to be personal to every person that watches it but i know what our intentions were and where our heart was and hopefully enough people walk away feeling that and if if they do then i think it'll be a success i feel like i just want people to laugh and i want them to feel feelings and if that happens then we nailed it and i can sort of speak from the voice of edmontonians we're super proud of you i'm excited and thrilled to see it i talk about this with zip who's on moving radio all the time we saw you in the record store down in the basement and like i still remember that first scratch for me so it's really cool that we get to see this come full circle and return to the metro so so thrilled for you guys it's been fantastic connecting with you today, Kevin and Arlen. They're the creative minds 
behind How to Ruin the Holidays. Arlen Konopaki is the director. Kevin Gleese is the writer-producer. If you're in Edmonton, you have to come out and support this film. It's a rare opportunity to see filmmakers from Edmonton bring home an exclusive screening. You can check that out here in Edmonton at the Metro Cinema November 6th at 7 p.m. and November 25th at 3.30 p.m. I'm Lucas Anders, your correspondent for Moving Radio on CJSR 88.5, community-powered radio. I don't think he and Mark should be alone in this house anymore. You want a job or a girlfriend? Yeah, but not both. I can't handle that much responsibility. You and me both, brother. <laughs> Can you give me a lift to the tree place? I'm not supposed to try this as a DUI. I think by not supposed to, you mean prohibited by law. Four more sleeps until Christmas. I never said that. The f- you didn't! Sorry. Just from Los Angeles. Three of you are the best, the best that's ever happened to me. I am so proud of you. Will you please shut the hell up? Merry Christmas to you too!